Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing yet again Ryan Kurzak. He is the founder of Asheville Vedic Astrology. He's the creator of Kriya Yoga Online. He's the author of many books, including The Art and Science of Vedic Astrology, as well as the host of the Kriya Yoga podcast. I'm sure I missed something in there. He is very ambitious, very well established, and has been practicing Vedic astrology for a very long time. And I'll be sure to link all of these things in the description. So if any of them catch your interest and you'd like to explore more, you can find the links in the bio of this podcast. And so today, Ryan and I are going to be discussing self-fulfilling prophecy in Vedic astrology and walking that line between making predictions and understanding a birth chart versus making something happen or falling prey to self-fulfilling prophecy. We also discuss the importance of having a spiritual practice and turning inwards rather than searching around for external validation. I had such a great time talking with Ryan as always and really appreciated what came out of this podcast. And so I really hope that you all find it helpful and enjoy the rest of this podcast. Okay. So welcome back, Ryan Kurzak. I'm so excited to have you on the show once again. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. Yeah. And I actually got very good feedback on the first one. I got many emails asking about Sinistry. Well, of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> no, anyway, <laughs> And they were excited to hear from you. So I know that people are going to be very excited to hear again. And I'm really excited to also hear your perspective on this because um, this topic of self-fulfilling prophecy in astrology is you know, it's all pervasive coming from people who are completely, you know, neck deep in astrology, taking it into consideration, but then also people who are complete skeptics on astrology. So it's something that I think a lot about. I talk a lot about in my day-to-day life. And so I'm definitely excited to hear your experience and perspective on this super important topic. So what do you have anything that's coming to mind? <laughs> you look like you're ready. <laughs> you look like you're ready to start. No, no, I'm just I'm good. I'm good at answering questions. So if you okay. have specific ideas or questions, just fire away and I'll, I'll yeah. uh, let you know what my thoughts are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so when I am talking to people who are skeptical about astrology, the first argument that they have is well, what about self-fulfilling prophecy? How do you know um, that it's not self-fulfilling prophecy? And so of course, being an astrologer and having seen the astrology play out in other people's lives who have no idea of like the astrological forces, I feel defensive naturally, right? But then, so it's, I'm fighting that battle, but then there's this other element where I'm doing readings with clients and I'll mention something in their chart and then they feel absolutely doomed and they will almost make choices that kind of damn themselves Hmm. self-fulfilling the prophecy. And so it's like, what is the line with that? What have you seen to be the balance between the two? Well, self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, it, it can go, it really just depends on who you're talking to. You know, for example, it's not hard for an astrologer to talk about the negative things that can happen in a person's life. And they could probably say those same negative things to 10 people 
And eight out of 10 of those people would say, yeah, I've experienced that, or yeah, that's what's going on for me. So there's a difference between self-fulfilling prophecy and just what's the deal with being a human on this planet. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the deal with being human is that you're going to experience negative things. Um, but there are other things, you know, I've said again and again to a lot of my astrology students, most of the time, you don't even really need astrology to find out what a person's life is going to be like in the future. All you have to do is ask them, well, what has your life been like up until this point? Because more than likely, it's just going to continue in that direction. When people come to me and um, they've had one bad relationship after another, and they're asking me if they're going to find a good one in the next two years, I don't need to look at the chart to say probably not just because the patterns are there. Um, and when it comes to doing people's astrological charts, um, also when I'm working with someone who tends to do really well in certain fields, like maybe it's business or romance or anything really, um, if they've usually done pretty well in it, it's not gonna be much of a stretch to say, you're probably gonna continue doing well. This is just a hiccup. This is just a little uh, bump in the road. So. It's, it's a hard one to, to answer just because human conditioning and human experience is actually pretty predictable even without astrology. Mm -hmm. so, so, you know, that, that, that's a hard one. But um, yeah. uh, some things, if you think about it, you know, people say, be careful what you think about because it, it'll come into your life. Um, well, there are plenty of people out there who have been afraid of cancer their entire life and have never gotten cancer. Mm -hmm. And there are plenty of people out there who have been athletes and um, taken care of their diet and have never even thought about getting cancer and got cancer. So this kind of takes us into a whole other realm of you know, mm -hmm. what exactly is going on there and um, how in tune are we with what's actually happening in our lives. And I think that's really the important thing is that we need to be a little more in tune with what's going on in our lives. Uh, because if, if we can do that, um, it'll be a lot easier for us to understand what's coming in the future. Mm -hmm. And that's also why when it comes to uh, working with an astrologer, when people come to me and they've gone to five or six other astrologers, I tend not to work with them. I tend to say, look, you know, you've already gone through five or six astrologers. What I'm not going to give you anything. You're going to go to a seventh one probably. Um, but when someone says, you know, I've been working with this astrologer all my life and he or she's just retired and I've had good results. Again, I'm going to see that and say, you're probably just have good luck with astrologers. So sure. I'll work with you. So there's all these different ways that you can look at it and whether it's self-fulfilling prophecy or not, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, thank you for saying that. And when I asked you about doing this podcast, it was self-fulfilling prophecy and spiritual practice because right. But like when we get down to it, the only thing that we can do is turn inside of ourselves for answers, like turn inward and live in a way that feels authentic to us. Like what pulls us in a certain direction? And instead of being like, oh, I'm being pulled to do this thing, but my chart says I can't, or like I'm being pulled to do this thing, but I know that, you know, I have a feeling I pulled a tarot card that something's going to happen that's when you're really like, that is self-fulfilling prophecy. And that's cutting your own like energetic compass off, you know, like you're not listening to yourself. It, it's sort of self-fulfilling prophecy, but on one hand, really that's how they live their entire, that's how a person lives their entire life. You know, it's one excuse after another about why you can't achieve something. And um, 
that's that's something that we see in the community of astrology. People who are interested in any kind of divinatory science. They're always looking for information outside of themselves. And, um, you know, astrology is meant to be a spiritual science. And if it's a spiritual science, it's meant to be an aid on our path. It's not meant to be the thing which defines our path. And so, again, um, I don't have the book here. It might be Prajna Tantra. It's going to try to pull it out. But in the beginning of that book, it says, you know, when a person approaches an astrologer, they need to approach them uh, with sincerity. And, and usually there needs to be something they really need to know. Because when someone goes to an astrologer to figure out, um, should I go left or should I go right? Or should I pursue my passion or should I not pursue my passion? Well, here's the thing. People who pursue their passion don't give a fuck what astrologers say. They're going to do it anyway. They're going to, they don't, they, you can tell them, no, you're not going to do this. But if the person knows that it is their path, they will do it anyway, no matter what an astrologer says. Um, so we always have to remember that. I guess the point I'm trying to get back to here is that really it is the, the, um, the habit of how we live our lives and how we, how we look at life, that's how it plays out. So the example you gave about, I can't do this because I pulled a bad tarot card. No successful person is going to base their life off of a tarot card reading. Yeah. You know, long, in, in that regard. Yeah. W what they do is, and, and this is how I treat astrology. People, and we've had this conversation too. Um, you asked me if I, I look at my transits and I really don't very often. Um, but most of the people I know who benefit from astrology, they don't use it very often. They live their life. They do their best. They, they, they pay attention to their inner guidance and they follow it to the best of their ability. And if they run into a wall or if they keep running into walls, then they might go to an astrologer because they've tried everything. And now this is just a way to kind of get some objective perspective, but they're not doing it for every single question or situation in their life. Is, is that what you were getting at? Or did I take it a little? No, absolutely. No, that was exactly like what I was thinking about um, and the direction that I was hoping it would go in. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I'm thinking about though, is the other purposes of astrology. And so the people who are listening, well, they're like, maybe hopefully they're feeling empowered and they're like, I'm just going to make choices because it feels in alignment with my true authenticity. And I feel protected right. by the universe. Like I hope that that's where they're coming from. And people seek astrology, people seek astrology. I seek astrology. I mean, if you're interested in it, you're, you know, likely looking at your chart or looking at the charts of others. Right. And when we are looking at a birth chart, it is a karmic imprint. But it doesn't mean that you're damned by that karma. It's like you're intended to learn these specific lessons in your life. Right. And so what you can learn by looking in the chart is how to live more intelligently. Mm -hmm. And when you bump up against these certain things, like if you have Saturn in the seventh house and you're bumping up against relationship issues, it's an indicator to look at yourself, look at how you're managing the relationship, looking at your own ability uh, to love yourself, self-worth, boundaries, you know? So it's asking you to take a second look and with astrology, it empowers us to maybe, hopefully more readily absorb that and not just keep making the same decisions over and over. Like you were saying, like if we see people in a pattern 
astrology could help us be like, well, of course you're in this pattern. Here's X, Y, and Z. Here's how you can liberate yourself. And then hopefully that person has the capacity to do that. What do you think? Well, you know, what we started off with the idea of self-fulfilling prophecy, this is where we might start to see how, how it plays out because what you mentioned about the birth chart being a, a, a karmic imprint. All right. Well, we're going to accept that as, as part of a, the working astrological theory. And the way I look at it when I explain it to people is the moment you're born is the snapshot of all of the karmas, all of the choices, all of the thoughts, everything that you've allowed into your life up until the moment of birth from the, the theory of reincarnation with that particular soul. But that's the moment you're born, which means if you're 38 now, that was 38 years ago. And that's what, what we see as a snapshot of that birth chart. That is like the momentum that's coming our way in this lifetime. But the thing is, is once we're born, and usually there's a reason that, for example, in the Bhagavad Gita or other spiritual texts, um, people are called twice born, the twice born. There's your first birth, which is when you are born into a body, and you can remain unconscious in that body for whoever knows how long. But the, the second birth is when you become conscious of the fact that you are interacting with, well, consciousness, I guess. Um, and so what happens is if a person's on autopilot or if they've not adapted or grown uh, karmically from that moment that they were born, well, it's very easy to do their chart because you can just predict, well, if these are your habits, this is what's gonna happen in relationships, this is what's mm -hmm. gonna happen in business because they haven't done anything. Mm -hmm. But many people who are interested in astrology, they're all also interested in things like yoga and, and personal growth processes, becoming more conscious, becoming more aware. And what you're becoming aware of and conscious of is the momentum in your life. And this is where it gets tricky because on one hand, it's a beautiful thing to become aware of the momentum in your life pulling you in a certain direction, good or for bad. The trouble is most people are so identified with that momentum that, they're, that they, they, they see it as a, a part of themselves. Mm -hmm. And then there's some resistance there because they don't want to change it because if they change that, it will change who they are. And that's why it becomes so hard to change because not only do you have the resistance because you like, you're comfortable in the point of view that you have and the, the karmic momentum that you have, but everyone else, everyone else around you is too, which means the moment you start to change, well, now you're going to start challenging everyone else's point of view and everyone else's sense of self because they liked you the way you were. Yes. So the, the hard part comes when we start to have to face and realize that, okay, if I have been a jerk in relationships and I'm seeing it now, well, am I identified with that? Or can I step back and breathe through all these times I'm a jerk? And can I say, I'm not going to do that anymore, even though every fiber in my being wants to act like I'm right all the time and, and push that upon my partner. Can you step back and say, no, I'm not. And what happens is every time you step back, you release some of that momentum. So let's say someone has, I don't know, Mars and Saturn in the seventh house uh, in their birth chart and they're, they're starving each other with Lajitati Avashta starvation fairly well. Well, that's a pretty hardcore uh, difficulty towards not really getting a lot of uh, satisfaction out of relationships. And um, you become identified with that, but then you have to start to pull back and say, all right, well, I need to change here. And it might take weeks, months, probably years to to not engage in the, that, that vicious cycle of Mars and Saturn um, in your seventh house 
before you actually can have a good relationship. So the, the hard part of all this is that, yes, there is some kind of self-fulfilling prophecy, but that self-fulfilling prophecy boils down to how identified are you going to be with your chart? Mm-hmm. And are you willing to be, as they say, a twice born where you wake up and look at the momentum of the stuff that you're doing. And it's not even the stuff that you're doing. It can be what you allow in your life. It can yeah. be the things that you don't stand up to the things that you don't set boundaries for the things that you just don't feel strong enough to, to have integrity to say, no, this isn't what I want to experience in this life for whatever reason, cultural family guilt, being a Catholic, who knows? Um, so it's a, uh, it, that's what makes astrology so hard because it's not just reading a chart. It's also like you're in a good position because you've been studying actual uh, mental health and social work. And uh, I've told all of my astrology students, your job is to give information. If you're not a social worker, if you're not a counselor, if you're not training in these things, don't try to do that kind of work. So it's, it's very good when you get someone like you who has been trained and has skills to help people work through this stuff rather than just being the astrologer that knows a few things and can spout out some good information, but doesn't really have any kind of follow through or, or guidance or resources to help the person start to readjust that momentum. Cause that's, what's going to make all the difference. But also what I'm thinking is how people can integrate this information and strive to be the twice born, because that's what we're wanting in the spiritual practice in astrology. We want to be able to liberate ourselves from our karma from what we came into this world to learn and accomplish. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for everybody listening who doesn't have like a mental health background or doesn't have access to somebody, it's, it's looking at your birth chart and understanding that there are ways to work with that and transcend it. And the best way to do that is in therapy. So, you know, if you're not talking to an astrologer, if you're talking to an astrologer who is giving you information, go to a therapist and be like, I feel and the ones that you identify with, like, you're like, Oh my God. Yes. Like I cannot stop arguing. I can't stop picking fights with people. I can't stop punching people. I've, I've had people like that before who were like punching people right. regularly. Yeah. Um, and so going to a therapist and telling them like, this is something that I see in myself. Other people are seeing it. You could even say an astrologer validated it. And I really want to work on it. Mm-hmm. But having having guidance. And I mean, I guess it doesn't necessarily need, I mean, I I'm biased towards therapy, but it could also be a spiritual leader or I, I'm, I'm more for therapy than spiritual leaders. Actually, I have a, I have a, a, a video or something getting ready to post on one of my uh, YouTube pages on what's better, a, a guru or a counselor. And I, I said a counselor hands down. Oh. <laughs> and that's, that's because it's for the exact same reason that we talked about with astrologers, because um, these days, people who are spiritual teachers or, um, well, whatever you want to call them, everyone seems to think that, well, if they understand these spiritual things, they must understand life things. Yeah. There are plenty of spiritual people out there that don't know anything about finances, that don't know anything about relationships, that don't know anything about career. Um, and that's not their role. Their role is to teach you how to meditate well. Yeah. And even, even in my, um, my Kriya Yoga apprenticeship program, at the very outset, I tell them, I said, look, you need to have done your best to, to attend to your mental and emotional hygiene before you get involved in the spiritual practice. Because what most people do is they think spiritual practice equates to blissfulness. And I think that means that my life is just going to work out beautifully. 
Well, your life is going to work out beautifully if you know how to manage your finances, if you know how to be nice to people, if you know how to take care of your health, and if you know how to meditate well. If you, if you know how to do all those things, then you're probably going to be okay. But you see, these other things, they don't really quite fall on the whole spiritual side. So our life is our spiritual practice, and we need to have it as in order as everything else. So as an astrologer and as a meditation teacher like you, I am a very big fan of counseling. And almost everyone who, who wants to do this work, I recommend doing some form of uh, counseling, therapy, EMDR, somatic experiencing, something, or even the presence process by Michael Brown, which is a wonderful book that someone can do on their own to kind of get them into that experience, because that's where you're going to start to become the twice born, because it's in those moments that you start to have self-awareness. That's when you start to wake up to self-awareness. You start waking up to the things that you do and what their effects are on your life and how every little thing you do contributes to the, to the totality in the same way that we can talk about finances and you know renunciation and brahmacharya and, and vows of poverty and non-possessiveness. Those are all wonderful, beautiful things, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with managing your finances well so that you've got a comfortable home, modest home that you can meditate in without fear of dogs biting your legs off and people robbing you. You know, that's a, that's a, a thing that people can do and that will help their spiritual practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there are a few things like a few takeaways and then I, I have some other questions for you, but the astrology is, it can give you insight and it can give you like little bits of information that you can begin working to heal. And the healing is, you know, likely through things like therapy and is supported by things like meditation and spiritual practice. Yes. Yes. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to mention, oh, I, I lost my train of thought. It was when you were discussing, oh, having a home, like having your finances in order, it's taking personal control of your life again rather than seeking a guru to save you or seeking an astrologer to save you or seeking, you know, these different tools. It's like, what can you do today to get your life more in order and to create the life that you're wanting right? and who you want to be? What actions can you take to be who you want in every moment? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you know, you, you just asked me that, that question. One of my, uh, well, I think I've known him since I was in kindergarten and his, his mom knew my mom, uh, one of my good friends, uh, he recently went through a divorce and he's got a kid. And, um, he was talking about doing uh micro dosing with, with mushrooms for like, uh, well, I guess he was trying to, to, to figure something out there. And I've got no problems with that. I've read some interesting books on how hallucinogenics and things like that in micro doses, not full blown, blow your brains out kind of stuff. I can be very helpful in certain situations. <clears throat> and so I, I asked him, I said, so are you having some mental emotional problems, because that's what I would think you would use that for. And he said, no, I just don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life. And so he's my age, obviously. And I said, um, uh, I said, well, what do you want to do? And he said, well, that's the problem. So I, I told him that um, it, it's a habit that we have. If, if we want to do something different, we have to really start at the basics. And so number one, organizing our lives. And this is, this is why so few people, I think, really benefit from spirituality, because when you get into the basics of it, like eat your vegetables, go to sleep at the same time, exercise probably every other day, meditate daily, 
basically live a non-dramatic life. The reason that's so beneficial is because it synchronizes rhythms within your body. It balances hormones. It gives you the best organized area uh, of consciousness to be able to say, well, what do I want to do? What should I do? And then to be able to see opportunities and to take those opportunities. So the very first thing that people have to do is number one, get those very basic things in order. And then number two, what I told my friend, I said, uh, well, if you don't know what you want to do, maybe mushrooms isn't the right idea. Maybe what you need to do is um, start to imagine what would you feel like if you did know what you wanted to do? What would you feel like if, 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 you know, when you got up in the morning, you knew exactly what you wanted to do today, what you wanted to do with the rest of your life. What is that feeling? And I told him to hang out there for a little bit and keep doing it for a while and then start to see what opportunities arise or what ideas arise and then start following those because everything reflects from our, our state of mind and our consciousness. And this is the thing, if we're used to not knowing, if we're used to being confused, it's because we are caught up in that quality, that energy, that feeling of confusion. Yeah. And what we have to do is start practicing what would it feel like if I was not in that quality? I'm not talking about manifestation or being a sorcerer or anything like that. I'm just saying that people's mindsets, they tend to find what they're looking for. And if they start imagining, seeing, feeling that they know what they want, even if they don't know just yet, but if they can feel it, they can start to be guided in certain ways. And this brings us to the fundamental principle of yoga and even astrology, and that's practicing the truth. Because the more that we do that in every single moment, and I don't just mean with words, I mean the integrity of, of what we're about, what we want to do, what we're willing to do, what we stand for, if we can start moving into that truth, then we, be, we, we lose our confusion. Our confusion goes away. It takes a while to figure all that stuff out to stay there. But once you get locked in it, once you're established in truth, truthfulness, satya, everything else falls into place. And, and you've probably heard me tell this story before uh, in the book, The Greatness of Saturn. I know you wanted to talk about Saturn too. Yeah. Um, in, in the book, The Greatness of Saturn, when someone's going through their Sati Sati period, uh, that's a difficult time period. And um, the, the image that's told in this story is of they're going through their Sati Sati, Saturn's coming into their life. And, um, and then all these virtues start to leave them. Uh, the virtues start to kind of fly out of their chest and they're laying in bed and the last virtue leaves, which is truth. And the person who's laying in bed, getting ready to go through their Sadi Sati grabs onto to truth and says, look, all the rest of them can leave, but you can't go anywhere. And the truth virtue says, okay. And goes back into the person's heart. And then all the other virtues say, um, well, if truth isn't going anywhere, we can't go anywhere without truth. And so all the other virtues come back as well. And they're able to deal with their Sadi Sati period. So, yeah being established in truthfulness, all the basics, but trying to learn to figure out how to establish yourself in truthfulness, that's what leads to uh, this whole idea of becoming more conscious and the, the twice-born aspect like we were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like for you, your phrase establishing yourself in truth is similar to me saying like living from authenticity. Mm -hmm. So I 100% I resonate one other thing that I'm thinking about when you were mentioning your friend who was saying like, he doesn't know what to do with his life. And I don't know if this was applicable to him or not, but it made me think of this is that sometimes people can get attached to being a certain way. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm attached to the idea that I don't know what to do, or I'm attached to confusion. I'm attached to depression. I'm attached to anxiety. And so it's like having the courage to look at what if I don't, what if I'm not depressed anymore? Like you were saying, like, what would it feel like if I wasn't, is it right. possible for me to, is it possible for me to step out of this narrative? And for some people it's not, and they need to be depressed for a longer period of time. But for some people, it is possible for them to move through it. And it's just kind of an attachment to a title and identity that's no longer helpful or appropriate. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to grind it into the ground until you're done with it. I mean, that's sort of the, that's sort of the issue. So when people come and they're attached to things like you're talking about, if I don't get the sense that they really want to let it go, I push it. I say, well, sounds like you're just really shit out of luck. And <laughs> I push it until, until eventually one day, they'll get up and they'll say, I can't take it anymore. And they need to do something else. (laughs) I mean, I I wish it wasn't that way, but you know, in many situations, even in my own life and other people's lives, don't ask me for an example, because I don't have one right now, but (laughs) in in, in many people's lives, uh, you kind of just have to drive something into the ground until you're just done with it. And then you get up and you say, you know what? I can't be depressed anymore. I can't be anxious anymore. There's, there's, I just can't, you know, there's, I need to change. I need to be something else. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes that depression and anxiety serves a purpose for some people for whatever reason it is, you know, and that is something that they can explore in in therapy, but um, whenever it's no longer appropriate is when it's time to move on and just drop that narrative. Um, Can I switch gears a little bit? Is there anything else you want to say? I've been wanting to ask you this. Go ahead. Okay. So what about, like we were talking about self-fulfilling prophecy of the self And I used to do this. And I know that there are so many people listening to this podcast who do this too, looking at birth charts of other people and then judging them (laughs) and thinking that they are like self-fulfilling the prophecy for other people. Like if you see a chart and somebody has, you know, a difficult configuration for relationships, just let's use that as an example. And then the person reading the chart is like, oh, I'm not going to even give them a chance because they have Venus in the eighth or whatever example we want to use. So what would you say to that? Would you say, take it as a warning and run? (laughs) Okay. So, so are you saying that if an astrologer does that to someone, should they take that as a warning or be a little more specific? I'm thinking of like novice astrologers who are looking at charts and they're not consulting someone who's been studying for an extended period of time. Because that's who I'm assuming is the majority of people listening, right? It's people who are interested in astrology. Maybe they're newer to astrology, or maybe they've been studying a couple of years, but none of us are foolproof. Also, we're all human. We all make mistakes. So yeah, that is, I mean, that is, that is the hardest part about teaching astrology. Uh, Not just, well, you know, I've got a lot of videos on YouTube and I get a lot of comments and a lot of people ask things like they're they're just asking questions um, that don't make sense when you actually know the way astrology works. Like, oh, I've got Jupiter in this house with K2, so therefore it must mean that. And as an astrologer, you know, well, there are other planets, other charts, other configurations. What, what descendant are you talking about? What degree is it in? And there's so, so many other things that you have to weigh. You just can't say these two planets are together, therefore this. And so that's frustrating. Um, but number two, even when I teach students, um, in the astrological apprenticeship program, uh, I, I even tell them not to not to look at their own chart while they're learning, mm. because sure, 
it's, it would be easier to do because you know yourself, but who's the person that lies to you best of all? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I've given people the same advice. Yeah. 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 It, it, you are, you are so easy. It's so easy for someone to either see what they want to see, or if they're hypersensitive or afraid of everything to see everything they don't want to see and imagine that that's real. So again, this is, this is not an, an, an easy thing. And, and that's why, like, for example, I was talking to a physicist one time, an actual real physicist. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, there are all these books on quantum physics and all this popular stuff that you can read about. And um, he said to me one time, he's like, look, all that stuff you read in books, he says, it's cute and it's neat. He says, but a lot of that stuff doesn't make sense to someone who actually knows how physics works. Mm-hmm. So the same thing is true with astrology and that's why we have to be careful. And that's why um, when I try to teach people astrology, I I say to them, look, each little section that you're looking at is just a single puzzle piece. So if you've done like a, you know, those big 750 piece puzzles that are, they're huge and they're all these little pieces and you can look at them individually. Like, well, okay, I see the shape. I don't exactly know where it goes. And I see this shape and I don't know exactly where it goes. And you, you have to see each shape first and learn to stick them together in the puzzle before you actually get the full picture. So it, it doesn't, I, I think what you're talking about is really just foolishness <laughs> because you can't do it that way. And I even had one woman recently who um, she wrote to me and she's been studying astrology for a long time, but I also know what it's like to study astrology by yourself and haphazardly as opposed to learning with structure. And she wanted me in the session to tell her what, why I saw what I saw. And I said, I don't do that. I said, look, if, if you want to know what I see, I'll, I'll synthesize it for you and I'll tell you. But in order for me to tell you exactly what I saw, I would spend probably 14 hours going over every little formula that I used, every combination, how I compared it to this and how it overlaid with that. And, and that's, that's the depth of astrology we have to actually look into to get an answer that is not, as you're saying, self-fulfilling prophecy. So I don't even remember what your question was. <laughs> what was your question? <laughs> so, I was just asking about um, like looking at people's charts and I, I'm using the word judgment, oh. but like placing characteristics on them. Do you see what I'm saying? Like maybe they meet somebody for the first time and then they get their birth information and they're looking at their chart and they're kind of like projecting their ideas of what this astrological configuration means on this person, which I've studied astrology long enough to know that there's truth in it. Right. There is definitely truth in it, but I feel like we also need to give people the opportunity to show us who they are. And we get to decide what we do with that information. Right. But I still think that there is a certain amount of judgment that we should restrain from putting on people right away because i mean especially if you're learning astrology right you know i think i think what you just said there is is the key to it it's if you are learning astrology wait and see Mm you know trust but verify as ronald reagan would say (laughs) um but uh um in my experience people who who have actually really studied astrology well most of the time they're pretty accurate about (laughs) what they see in someone's chart. But then again, they're also probably not going to be judgmental about it. Right. And, and, and that's, that's an important point. Like, for example, when I look at someone's chart, 
you know, I've seen so many charts. I, I tallied it up one time somewhere over like 14,000 charts or something like that. It was a lot of charts. And, um, and I've seen a lot of charts and I've seen a lot of people. And um, I've learned through that experience that while people may act and behave a certain way, it's not personal. And so when I see someone's chart that might have a difficult, difficult combination, it might tell me, yeah, I don't want to spend a long bit of time around this person. And I've learned enough to know to trust that. <laughs> yeah. um, or if I see someone's chart, and this is an example, I've never actually seen this because I don't, I guess I don't hang out with thieves. But if I see someone's chart who, who says that they're a thief, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to hide my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say, well, let's just wait and see what happens. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but you're right. I, I think it's, I think it's, it's people who are beginning you really got to hold back the judgment. But then as they get experience, as they start to recognize what they are able to see truthfully, continuously, um, consistently, they can trust that. But, you know, there, there are plenty of combinations. Classic example. I remember um, you might, Ernst Wilhelm, okay? Yes, so, I was thinking of this story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's a friend of mine. And um I began using his software way back in 2000, somewhere around there. And I got it because it was the cheapest one there was because <laughs> I didn't have any money. I was just out of college or still in college. And, um, and I, I interacted with him a little bit. And then fast forward nine years, um, I had to get some other things from him. And he said, oh, I wondered where you went. And then we started to develop a friendship. And then one time he invited me to come out and stay with him. And... Uh, I thought to myself, well, okay, let me see your chart. <laughs> so I, I pulled up Ernst Wilhelm's chart and we share a couple similar uh, um, positions in the chart. And I can remember looking at his chart and I thought to myself, this is definitely someone I probably don't wanna spend a lot of time with. <laughs> and um, I, what I did was I said to him, I said, well, I'll come out for a day or so, <laughs> but you know, I'll go ahead and I'll make some reservations at a hotel just in case you don't like me very much. <laughs> so I had a judgment of him based on his chart. I didn't think I was going to like him. I thought it was going to be just friction the whole time, uh, even though we got along all right through email and on the phone. And I, as soon as we met, it was just like, it, he was, he was like my long lost older brother yeah. and we've, we've remained good friends and he's been a wonderful support in my life uh, ever since, uh, you know, that time. So that is an example that I misunderstood someone's chart. And that is the, the lesson that I got was to trust what I know about astrology, but yeah. to not let it define the, the long term, to be open to things being a little bit different. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I have like a story that I will, it's much less detailed, but I saw a chart of someone who was interested in dating me. And I looked at the chart and thought, hmm, maybe not the best person to get involved with. Maybe looks a little sneaky, maybe looks a little deceptive, but it's fine. Yeah. And it was not. <laughs> so, See? so you do, you have to look at it. And if you're willing, if you're, if you know astrology well enough, and you're looking and you see something, you just have to be ready to accept the consequences of what you choose to do with that information. Right. With your judgment, right? It's like for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. And then it's a learning experience. And it's like, okay, well, cool. Now I know not to do that again. 
And you know to do that again. (laughs) Exactly. You know, the way you can break it down, because I know that there's probably a lot of people out there saying, having a little issue with this, because they usually take an issue when I brought it up in other uh, areas. Um, It's like this, you know, if, if a child sees a rabid dog, that child doesn't know how to interact with that dog because it, it might think the dog's coming at it because it's friendly or you know it, it wants to you know be petted or something like that when really it's just gonna bite them. Whereas an adult or a veterinarian who's seen rabid dogs and knows what to look for and, and knows specifically how it works, that veterinarian knows to keep that child away from that rabid dog because he knows what it's gonna do. So you know we don't wanna be like the child's like, well, let's just wait and see what happens because that could be bad. Yeah. You, you wanna trust people that, that have some experience and insight and then just see, you always have to pay attention. That, that's, that's the issue. And as you said, we're not always right, yeah. but it's okay to recognize when you have developed a skill in something and an expertise in something, and it's okay to trust that because you're more likely going to be right than you are going to be wrong. But that, I'm going to say that takes some years, that, that takes some years, at least four or five years in my experience with, with students. Yeah, no, I, I agree for sure. Um, And with that, though, for people who maybe don't have a whole lot of experience and they know that when they're looking at charts, they have a tendency to cast some judgment, which we're all guilty of, Mm -hmm. maybe don't look at charts. Exactly. (laughs) Just like don't look at the chart of someone until you have known them for a year and then you get to see how cool the chart matches up with them rather than trying to see ahead or trying to define this person before you know who they are. Right. And, and that's, a, that's excellent. And again, you know, while with my astrology students, I tell them not to look at their own chart because I know what they're going to do. I tell them, but it's okay to look at charts of people you have known for a long time because you've had plenty of time to observe them like, and hopefully objectively. So I don't recommend like looking at your spouse or your best friend because you're not going to look at that objectively, but maybe a, 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 a semi-distant relative or someone that you're around a lot that, that you're able, you were able to observe with some objectivity. Yes. Those are the best kinds of things. Or what I love to do is um, because it helps your mind as well, uh, read biographies or autobiographies of people and, yeah. and get their chart because then you're learning, you're, you're, you're expanding your mind, you're reading, and you're also learning astrology at the same time. That's one of the best ways to learn astrology. Yeah. I love that you say that because there's also the option of doing celebrities but if you're always doing like movie stars, they all have similar stuff because they're all movie stars. Right. So you have to get some variety in there. So I like the idea of doing biographies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, the best ones I've, I've, I've read um, that matched up a lot with their chart was Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin. Jimi Hendrix was pretty good. Um, trying to think of a few other, they're all musicians, but you, you know, if you're interested in a certain genre of people, mm-hmm. whether, you know, movie stars, writers, whatever, uh, a certain genre of people, politicians, you, you can learn a lot about the subject itself, as well as, you know, uh, astrology and how it can fit together. Yeah, absolutely. And so for just kind of going back to what we were talking about with self-fulfilling prophecy, and ultimately it needs to be taking control of your life from what I understood. Mm-hmm. Would you say then that the main takeaway from this podcast is to utilize astrology as a tool to gain information, soul searching, introspection therapy for any like deep healing that needs to occur? 
And then having a spiritual practice and meditation is setting a stage for that to happen. And it's a supportive, it will be in support of our growth. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a, a good way to look at it. And it reminds me of um, in, in the, the Kriya Yoga Apprenticeship program that I teach, I, I really do stress counseling a lot. I say, look, you know, don't come to spirituality. Don't come to this practice um, to heal yourself. Um, you know, there's a reason in the Yoga Sutras that the, the first phrase starts out, and now instruction in yoga. It, it, it assumes that you've done some groundwork and you are in a stable place to where you can go within. And instead of what most people do is they go within and once they start going within and seeing what the hell is in there, it's like, oh, ah! God. and then they freak out. But, you know, you're supposed to go within to, to experience your eternal self. But if your eternal self is still all wrangled with conditioning, negativity, and these sorts of things, that's what you're going to find. And that's, that can be a scary thing. So there's a reason that that, that phrase and now instruction yoga is there. It, it assumes you're starting from a certain point. Um, one of my uh, Kriya Yoga students heard that and wrote to me after about a year and a half of studying, very good student, and said, you know, I'm thinking maybe I should stop doing this and instead start doing therapy. And I said, look, the way you've described it to me, you, you are admitting that you know that these practices are not to heal you. You know that they're there for the spiritual realization, for realizing what is true of you. You know that. So you, you're not trying to fool yourself. So you can, as you said, you can go to therapy, figure that stuff out, get yourself cleaned up, mental, emotional hygiene, while still doing meditation. The, the, the key is just being able to recognize what is the place for everything. You know, mm -hmm. the astrologer can give you insights into things that you might be blind to, that you need to think about, which is wonderful. Meditation, spirituality, yoga practice is about releasing your attachment to your karma and to your body and all these things that you think you are. And then you won't have to worry about astrology anyway. And other things such as um, taking care of your health, see an, a natural health coach, taking care of your finances, see a financial advisor. We have to recognize the role of everything in our life and, and use it in its appropriate place. And then it all goes together. And then as you're saying, that sets the stage for working with this idea of self-fulfilling prophecy or transcending it or, or moving beyond it. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about your Kriya yoga apprenticeship? If someone is listening and they're like, I totally want to do that. How would somebody yeah. go about doing that? And what is it? How, tell us what it's about. Like, how does it begin? What can someone expect? Okay. Well, first of all, um, the Kriya Yoga Apprenticeship course, it's a two-year course that I do. Um, I was uh, or, or ordained and authorized to teach Kriya Yoga by uh, a student of Paramahansa Yogananda who wrote the book, Autobiography of a Yogi. So this is, this is based in the tradition of Paramahansa Yogananda, Roy Jean Davis, who is his student and my teacher, um, and what's talked about in Autobiography of a Yogi. And um, it's a, it's a two-year course that's open to about 25 participants and really, uh, if someone already has an interest in Kriya Yoga or has read Autobiography of a Yogi, they need to have some experience already, but it, it goes into a study of the Yoga Sutras, the Bhagavad Gita, meditation practices, uh, and these real basic fundamental lifestyle practices so that after the two years, they're solid on their spiritual path, solid in their spiritual practice, so they can keep growing, so they can keep evolving and exploring this, what I like to call... It, you know, there's you, which is your mind, body, and name, personality. That's like the temporary you. Uh, I like to say that it helps you understand the eternal you. 
Um, and um, it, it's really, I expect a lot. Uh, I expect people to meditate regularly. There's weekly classes. There's a, when possible, an in-person retreat at the end of each of the two years. So um, it's kind of an intensive program focused on meditation and study of the philosophy from the, the Gita and the, the Yoga Sutras. Awesome. It sounds amazing. Well, and so some people <laughs> would somebody like need to go to your website? Would they email you? Yeah. So if, if that is something that's of interest, you can go to kriyayogaonline.com. That's the website that talks about the apprenticeship program. But what I try, try to tell people to do is first, um, you would want to watch some of the videos on youtube.com slash kriyayogaonline. There's over 300 videos on there. And if you feel a resonation with that kind of teaching, that information, it might be for you. Also, you might want to explore um, the Kriya Yoga podcast. That's a podcast that I've done focused on Kriya Yoga. So you would want to explore those, see if it feels right for you, and then uh, apply. It, it's, it's full up for this year, but um, you could always apply for next year if it's of interest. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again, and I'll be sure to link all of your information in the show notes if people are curious, which I know that they will be. They okay. <laughs> so sure. And if, if they have any other, if they've listened to this and they want any uh, topics to be explored that we've touched upon, uh, should we can set that up if you like? Yeah, absolutely. Always welcome on the show. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it was wonderful to to see you again. Wonderful to be on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Take care. Peace. Bye. Thank you so much for listening until the end of this podcast. I hope that you found it helpful. Again, if you would like to learn more about Ryan Kurzak, I'm going to include all of his information in the descriptions. And as he mentioned, if there is any topic that you would like for us to explore, you can email me at astrologynowpodcast at gmail.com. And I definitely take all of your requests into consideration. If you would like to schedule a reading with me, you can go to my website, innerknowing.yoga. Please follow my Instagram, astrologynow underscore podcast, and on Twitter, astrologynow underscore. Again, my name is Christine Rodriguez. This is Astrology Now. Thank you so much. Bye.